Good morning. I'm the Reverend Jacqueline Sheldon from St. Paul's Episcopal Church at 220 Valley Street in Willimantic, and I'm delighted to be with you on this fifth Sunday of Epiphany. One more moment to think about what it means to manifest a real and physical experience and presence of God's love in the world. So let's begin with a prayer. Just settling into the presence of God, into the stillness of God. Letting everything go from maybe this day or even even from the week so that you can just be holy, holy one. We love you so much and desire so deeply to do your will in the world, to bring your good and your love into the world. And only by your Spirit's leading can we do that which is most important for each of us to do right where we are in the situations we are in. Please help us this morning to listen carefully to your word and your spirit in our hearts, that we may be ever more present to you and ever more brightly burning your love in the world for the sake of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our gospel reading this morning comes from Mark's gospel, the first chapter, verses 29 through 38, and I'm reading to you from The Voice. Right after they left the synagogue, Jesus went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. They told him about Simon's mother-in-law, who was there in a bed, sick and feverish. Jesus went to her side, took her hand, and lifted her up. As soon as he touched her, the fever left her, and she felt well again, strong enough to bustle around the house taking care of her visitors. Just before night fell, others had gathered all the sick, diseased, and demon-infested people they could find. It seemed as if the whole town had gathered at Simon and Andrew's door. Jesus was kept busy healing people of every sort of ailment and casting out unclean spirits. He was very careful not to let the demons speak because they knew him and could reveal to the people who he really was. Early in the morning, Jesus got up, left the house while it was still dark outside, and went to a deserted place to pray. Simon and the others traveling with Jesus looked for him. They finally tracked him down. They said to him, Everyone wants to know where you are. And Jesus answered, It's time we went somewhere else, the next village maybe, so I can tell more people the good news about the kingdom of God. After all, that's the reason I'm here the gospel of the Lord. You know, I don't know about you, but you know, this story for me holds a huge amount of energy, just so many things happening. You know, first uh, first thing that happens is uh, Jesus is coming 
out of the synagogue. He's just done all the big teaching that we heard last week, and he's going over to Peter's house. He gets to Peter's house, and as soon as he gets there, he gets the report that Peter, Peter's mother-in-law is sick, and he heals her. And then she gets up and she starts cooking. She's moving all around. And then all kinds of people come to the house and half the town comes. And Jesus is filled with the energy of healing all kinds of people and uh, casting out demons all night long as, as the story goes. And then finally, after the crowds have dissipated and everyone's gone to bed, in the middle of the night when everyone's asleep, Jesus slips out of the house and finds a quiet place to pray. And you can actually feel the gap and the stillness in that moment. Like, finally, finally, after all of this intensity, Jesus has this space where he can be in silence and still. And then the next thing we know, up come clamoring the disciples. Oh, we're all looking for you. We need you to come back and do what you've been doing. But Jesus says something else. Instead of going with them back to complete the healing of the whole town and casting out all the demons in the town, he tells them, it's time to move on so that I can go tell the good news and show the love of God. Manifest, manifest the love of God, the healing, powerful love of God in other places because that's why I've come. In that powerful, turning moment, I start to think about, of all things in the world, the Bismarck. I don't know if you remember or have ever heard about this famous warship that was in that was built in Germany in 1939. It was launched. It was the most feared battleship that ever existed. And it was so powerful and the plates of metal on it were so strong that it was basically impenetrable. And on, when it went out right away, the first thing it did was it, it sunk the British Army's um, flagship. And the second ship, the Hood, actually escaped the battle because it was getting, it was getting mangled by the Bismarck as well. It was just a, a remarkable piece of equipment. And they felt that there was nothing they could do to penetrate it until finally one submarine had a lucky shot. And what that submarine did was it torpedoed the rudder and it got stuck in the rudder and they couldn't get it out. They couldn't release it so the rudder could work. Now on ships, the rudder is like pretty much the smallest piece of equipment on a ship but it's actually what makes the ship move in the direction that you want it to go. If, the, if your rudder's not working, you are not able to navigate or move in a course because that's what actually leads you to wherever you're going, that rudder. And that's how the Bismarck sunk because its little rudder, the smallest part of this huge, powerful ship, got jammed by a torpedo and all it could do was keep moving in a circle and it couldn't get, it couldn't, they couldn't release it. And eventually it got bombed and it got, it, and they just kept attacking it and attacking it until it sunk. Now that might seem like a weird story for me to tell you right now, but the reason I tell you that story is because why I'm saying it reminded me, this story reminds me of that is because when you look at 
when I look at this story, I can see how Simon and the disciples would think Jesus was doing the greatest thing he could do, that, that this, this was the direction. This is what they were supposed to be doing. And I, I can understand how they were so excited. And then they went to find him when he went off to pray. When they saw he was missing, they went to go find him so he could come back and do that work, keep doing that work, because that was the greatest thing he could do. And that's very early on. It's in the first chapter of Mark's gospel. So right there, the disciples seeing all that power exuding from Jesus, they they have in mind that where they need to go is they, they need to stay there and get this done. But if, if you think about the story, if Jesus was to have only stayed in one place and only done all this healing in one little spot, and it would have seemed like the point of the journey was Jesus being able to exert the power of love to heal people physically and to cast out demons, and that would be the power of God's love. But there's a slight turn in that navigation because even though those are powerful manifestations of God's power in the world, Jesus had a bigger destiny to continually everywhere. Talk about God's love, God's love for us, and the call for us to love one another, that that was what his mission was, to proclaim the truth of how loved we are and how we're called to love each other. And that meant more than just the healings, even though the healings were so important. So how does Jesus get there, and how how does he discern what he's supposed to be doing, how does he take that tiny, slight little difference and say, we need to go to the next town instead of staying? I'm sure he was tempted to stay and heal everyone there, but how how was it that he was able to set a different course, to set the rudder in a different place, to know where to turn? I think you know where I'm going with this. It was that he used God as his rudder that he turned in prayer. And it's not the only time we hear this in the Gospels. He goes off in silence and solitude to be with God, to be present with God, to have God be the one who guides the way that he goes. He could have done all this great to just keep healing people, but God said, no, I want you to bring this whole message to the whole world. So, just like Jesus, we could never have Jesus's message is too powerful. His work was too great for us. That's for sure. I mean, oh, how grateful we are for the Son of God coming and revealing how much we're loved and how we're called to love one another and love this earth. How grateful we are for that, for his mission and what he brought to us with his death and resurrection. But you know something, the truth is each and every one of us who have answered the call to loving Jesus, we each have a mission in our own time and in our own place. It can seem often like there's so much need in the world and so much for us to do that we can be overwhelmed and we can think maybe no matter what we do, it's not going to make a difference because there's so much that needs to be done. But the truth is, each of us in our own way is on a course of proclaiming how much God loves us and how we're called to love one another and love God and trust in God's healing power in our lives. Each and every one of us, is that's, that's our 
our goal. That's where we're to go. But I can't say how you're to do it, and you can't say how I'm to do it. The only one who can say how we're to do that mission, how we're to complete our mission, is God. It's God. And so in order for us to manifest the most powerful love of God in the world that we can, we need time alone and stillness after our busy days. We need that resource of rest and nourishment in God's love so that we might make those little tiny adjustments as we go along to not just do the good, but to do the best because of the way God calls us to do the best. So this morning, I want you to think about where do you give yourself quiet space in amongst all the needs to be alone with God, to breathe in the beauty of God's love, to feel the nurture of God's presence in your life, so that like Jesus, as things are coming at you when you come out of your prayer time, you are at peace and you can see farther down the road how it is that you're meant to bring that love into the world. There's a song that I'm going to invite you to listen to now called I'm Not in a Hurry. And it's it's all about this idea of slowing down to hear God's word in your heart. Now, I know for lots of us that's not easy. If we have children or we're caregivers or we have jobs, it can feel like we just don't have time to be alone. But in fact, the busier you are, the more you need to find a space of quiet and alone time with God. So I want you to think about that and talk to God about where it might be or how it might be that God would provide for you the space and the time for stillness and rest so that you might make the best decisions for the glory of God with God's guidance, with God as your rudder. Amen. You feel, I don't see what you see.